1: the one thing
2: I have
3: to do. Hello, welcome again to the Tip People podcast, episode 44. Uh, this episode is with Todd Bell from Braid and Hay Mercedes. Fantastic chat, we hung out in Bushwick, Brooklyn, not too long ago, and uh, had a really good chat, and um, so I've got most of Braid done. I just have to get the drummer done, and then we got the, the whole band. So, thank you to Epitaph Records, our sponsor here at Epitaph.com. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of Washed Up Emo, and uh, we look forward to many, many more. So, Epitaph Records, thanks for being the sponsor of Washed Up Emo. All right, so enjoy. Todd is ready to tell you about his crazy record collection. Well,
2: thanks for doing this. Yeah, are, are you recording? Yeah. Yeah!
3: <laughs> yeah, um, thanks.
2: Thanks for doing it.
1: So you're here in New York, yes. and I heard that uh, you you have a crazy record collection. I want to kind of hear about yeah? your collection.
2: Yeah, well, I, not anymore. I mean, when <laughs> I moved to Milwaukee, which was for Hey Mercedes uh, 15 years ago, I got rid of a lot of stuff. But I talked to my friends, and they helped me collect things, and I find... You know, now it's to the point where the things that I want are kind of hard to find. Yeah. So I actually didn't have a very successful couple days here, because <laughs> everything that I find is like, oh, this is really great, but I have it, or it would be a copy that I would upgrade or something like that. So my wheelhouse for my want list now is pretty ridiculous, <laughs> but um yeah, it's a fun hobby. It gives me something to do when we're in other towns and other cities and touring, it's like an extra little fun thing to do. Yeah, I'm, I, I, it's under three thousand right now, so it's movable. Yes, and and every year I purge a little bit. I'll like we have a there's a sale in Milwaukee coming up. There's like it's called uh, R- Record Ruckus or something mm-hmm. where you can rent a table and sell stuff. So I've been going through and pulling stuff that I just don't listen to to sell, so I can have a little bit of money to turn around to buy some of those bigger ticket items the ones that you yeah, want so Yeah, it's fun it's fun it gives me something to do outside. do you do that in every city for the most I, part I do yeah I try to at least hit like one or two stores in every city I've been to most of the places so it's cool here because every place that I went to over the weekend i had been to except one store Human Head which is close to the venue today over here in Bushwick and it's new and I talked to the owner and he's from West Bend, Wisconsin no way yeah it's crazy, because he saw my Milwaukee shirt, and he's like, it's hard to read, and he's like, what, what is your shirt all about? And I was like, oh, this is, uh, my friend owns a bar, actually, BJ from Camden, and he was in Decibly. Mm-hmm. He has a bar in Milwaukee, and I, I have a shirt on, because um, I went there, and they were screening shirts for like 10 bucks or whatever, and, and I had this Milwaukee shirt, and I was like, oh, oh, cool. He's like, I'm from West Bend. I'm like, no way. <laughs> like, small, total small world. And running a
1: record store in Bushwick. In
2: Bushwick, yep. <laughs> and the more... I, I know Midwest people are everywhere, especially Wisconsinites and people from Illinois, you know, and I have a connection with that because those are the two states that I lived in most of my life, you know, but I'm always running into somebody that either has family in that area or has lived there for a while or wants to go back there or is from there. Mm-hmm. Just really interesting. That's cool. Just makes the world real small. Yeah, yeah. So, it's cool. And then, uh, do you remember the first record you got? Ever? Yeah. I <clears throat> I don't remember the first vinyl record that I had, but I do... I, I My dad had a, a record collection, and my brother and I were into it all the time. And I remember listening to a lot of Beach Boys, Johnny Cash, Country Music, Charlie Pride, uh, Charlie Daniels Band... Um, and then a lot of Floyd Kramer and instrumental stuff like that but the first thing that i actually remember physically owning on my own was a ktel cassette that we ordered off the tv it was a comp called radioactive and and since what year then was that 80s 80s mid 80s yeah early mid 80s um and it had hall and Oates, blondie the commodores um uh just a ton of Moody Blues like a ton of stuff on it it's just like a really weird mix of current radio rock at the time and that's the first thing that I, I remember getting what into what was it how much was it I don't know it's like I have no idea For the TV. I don't even <laughs> remember I have no idea I'm sure it was like probably 15 like, bucks probably like 9.99 plus shipping or yeah. something like that right, who knows could have been cheaper I don't remember off the TV off the television and that's when we used to like when there would be a song on the radio that we liked we would tape it with yeah. our, our recorder you know We were just kids, you know. We didn't have any other resources. My parents didn't really go to, like, I think their music collection that they had, by the time we were born, they stopped buying music, so Mm -hmm. they just had kind of what they grew up on and what they had. I don't ever remember going to a record store with my parents. You know, that came way later when I got into music. Actually, Chris and I, Chris Broach and I have kind of a similar background where we were exposed to music through skateboarding. I grew up being a fan of BMX prior to skateboarding. So I raced BMX, I got into freestyle and street bike riding, and then I moved to Champaign because my dad uh, retired Air Force, 20 years, 21 years. So he retired, so we moved back to be close to family, Mm -hmm. where my mom, uh, her parents are still living, so where they they are, but also nearby a functional Air Force base, so my dad can take... The benefits from that. You know, go see the, the base doctor and all that, because it's dirt cheap. But that base ended up closing a couple years after we were there, and we were already there, and you know, we were starting to make a life for ourselves, and I was already in school. My brother just graduated. I have an older brother that's like two and a half years older than I am. And then, but when we moved to that town, no one rode BMX. Oh, I used to do that, but we all skateboard now. And I was like, oh, I gotta skateboard. You know, so I started skating with these guys, the neighborhood kids, and I got good really fast because everybody was way better than I was, and I skated. I still skate. I have a, We have got a crew that goes every Sunday to the local park. We got a nine a.m. Sunday old man session. It's like me and Dan from Promise Ring, and our friend Jeremy, and a couple. You got to videotape that one day. We actually actually Instagram some of our oh, I must like have little clips. It. Yeah, it's kind of fun. We call it the Brittle Bones Brigade. That is awesome. Yeah. So I mean, we're just like it's social. It's more social than it is like getting rad, you know, because we all, you know, the last thing that Dan, Dan's still playing in Maritime, and the last thing we want to do is break a wrist. Yeah. Do something stupid. You know, everybody's got kids. We go early in the morning before the Rippers show up, and something fun to do. I haven't been for a couple weeks because we've been out of town so much. Do the younger kids ever show up and be like, yeah.
1: wait, is that the guy?
2: From... They have no idea. Oh, they have no yeah, idea. We're yeah, we're so beyond that. There's such a big gap <laughs> with the kids that are going to that park with who we are, and it's like any scene... Where no one cares Because we're kind of local guys Yeah No one cares Yeah You know So But, but anyway Was so, music When you were getting into the BMX Or even
1: skating Was, was it the Thrasher magazine Was it Was, yeah. was music starting to sort of yeah. infiltrate Or was BMX and skate first
2: it, it was It was Until when I got to Champagne And then we'd be listening to a boombox While we were skating out in the street And then it was all about trading tapes Then people gave me tapes and that was my in- first introductory to punk rock. And that, before that, it was top 40, you know, and stuff that my parents had. And, you know, some radio rock and things like that. And some metal, because my, my brother was older than I was and he was kind of a metal mm-hmm. head. So I was familiar with, you know, some classic rock. But I was a huge turnoff to classic rock because I did not like school. I hated high school, and all of the people that listened to Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all those bands. I did not get get on with those guys, so I kind of had a adversity to that. Like I didn't I didn't actually give Zeppelin a chance until I was in my early twenties, because I didn't want anything to do with them. Because to me, th- that represented this section of people that I just didn't get on with: the skaters and the and the dirt bags and the grits and the smokers and all that. It wasn't a good thing, you know, it's like high school shit, stupid, but um so when I moved to before that even, when I moved to champagne, I was like 15, 16 years old and that's when I got into punk rock. Um, you know, Bad Brains, uh I heard Embrace before I heard Minor Threat. I heard Firehose before I heard uh The Minutemen. Wow. Um, you know, it's like a little bit of you do your homework, you find something you like and you go back and you do that homework and you find the bands that you love and then a year or two later, I was old enough... I I, I found the, the All Ages Network, and I met a couple of people that were going to shows. And that's when I started going to shows, and I saw, you know... There's a great venue that's actually still functional in a different form in Champaign called The Blind Pig, but seeing... Definitely heard of that name. Yeah, seeing... There's one in Ann Arbor, too, but they're not connected. Got it. Um, I saw Seaweed. I saw, you know, Jawbox. I saw... You know, a lot of SST bands, Leaving Trains, Tar Babies. Like, that whole scene was really big for me because they're the ones that had the mail-order catalogs. You know, SST, Homestead, Cruise Records, New Alliance. uh, Descendants were a huge influence on me growing up skating. Dinosaur Jr. is still one of my all-time favorite bands. I saw
1: Jay bring his kid into some... uh show at the Beacon in the theater it was like some kid show it was like the funniest kind of like
2: yeah. that's kind of cool I guess he's, that makes sense he's really amazing I mean <laughs> and, and he's kind of connected to uh, Mike Watt and that whole crew and he's definitely a huge influence on me not playing wise but like his lifestyle because he's just so he, like he represents to me he's like my hero he's like my rock rock and roll hero because he's just in a van being awesome you know, just doing his thing. It's really cool. So I actually, when I moved to Milwaukee, I drove down several times to Champaign to see shows. I saw Queens of the Stone Age on their um, their first big U.S. tour in a venue that holds like 300 people. <laughs> and then they went to OzFest that year. And I was like, God, I'm glad I went to see them. And then uh, The Fog did a tour where it was Jay Mascis, Watt, and Murph. And uh, they were doing like a half set of um, Stooges stuff. And that's how Mike Watt got to play in the Stooges and all that stuff. Actually, that Mark Marin just did a podcast with him. Did you listen to it? I haven't. It's amazing. Oh, you to have to that. listen to it. The guy's just crazy. But, um, yeah, so that was like my whole introductory to punk rock through skateboarding. And then through skateboarding, I met Roy, Roy Ewing. Um, and then we started a band together. And then Bob started uh, corresponding with Roy through letters <laughs> and trading tapes, uh, videotapes of bands. And then Bob moved to Champaign-Urbana to go to the U of I, and then I met him, and then Roy and him wanted to start a band that would become Braid, and then they needed a bass player. I went in, we played together, it clicked, and that's kind of how Braid was born. I mean, was it was like 93. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Just the, I mean, and the, I think the longevity, too. We're getting sort of ahead, but I still think it's just crazy to think from 93 through, it's been pretty much the core... group.
2: Yeah. That's pretty rare. Some other
1: Wikipedia pages you go to, the
2: past members is, you know, 10 deep. And not that there's anything wrong with that. No. I mean, a a great example of that would be Saves the Day. Yeah. Still very much an amazing band. They kill it. Every time I see them play, I was like, how do they do 30 songs a night? I know. And why why are they still good? And they go back to the back catalog, they play all that stuff. And I don't know, we just been the same. I, I always say that we're just four dudes on a couch. Because you see all those old promo photos of people sitting on, like, couches. And, like, we're just four dudes on a couch. We're regular guys. We, we were never, you know, I don't know. We never had a look. We were just Midwest dudes that just look the way we did and like to play shows and love to travel. And, you what know. were those first few, like, 93, 94?
1: That was definitely before this sort of scene, sort of, I mean, 96 up kind of took another another beat Mm -hmm. especially in the Midwest and with polyvinyl or you know if it was crank all that stuff what was what were you sensing when you were playing shows did you feel this this
2: like type of punk rock there was getting somewhere there was definitely a network of things happening there always is and I know there is today I'm just disconnected from it I know that there's basement shows in Milwaukee I know, I've heard of them. I know bands that play them. I just don't really go to them. And people that complain about their scene just don't aren't doing their homework. There's always something happening. Yeah. And back then it was happening and we were in it and we knew of it and we did shows and we brought, you know, you meet somebody from going in a town and be like, "Hey, awesome. When we come there, can you help us get a show?" So we'd go down to the VFW and get a couple friends to help us flyer and just do a show. And that whole thing, I mean, I think our first real tour where we went out for like two weeks or 19 days or something was probably in early 95. Um, But we were doing like a weekend or like a couple days away. We just didn't know enough. But the first braid tour was booked on a handful of phone numbers from the last Friction tour. From the context that Bob had.
0: Did everyone then, hear that?
2: A handful of phone numbers. Right, right. So we, so I had I had those numbers. I'd cold call these people and be like, Hey, my name's Todd. I'm in a band with Bob. You did a show for his old band Friction, blah, blah, blah. Can you help us book a show? Going on tour, not knowing how much money you're going to make, you save up a little bit of cash to go on tour because you don't know. It's a break-even venture if you're lucky. you know. And you just go out to have fun. And I think from the get-go we are all very much on the same page that, hey, this is an awesome, awesome opportunity and vehicle for us to travel. (laughs) And we're still like that. Like, we just, we're able to go to Japan again. We're like, we gotta make this happen. We don't know when we're gonna get to go there again. And Bob's a a, a big ringleader in that. He just wants to cross off things off his list that he's never been to before. And we all enjoy playing together still. I mean, we all have careers and jobs now and other things going on. But... This is still very much a priority because it's so fun, and we get on together, and we have fun, and it's fun to play, and people still care and come out, and it's crazy. We, I can't believe it; it's been that long. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, what,
1: it's what, neat. was that lull from what 04 to most recently with the real Is that? I feel like every band sort of does that. You break up, you've got the marriages, you've got the kids, you get, yeah. and then you guys are sitting there. You're somehow on the ninth hour of some Netflix binge, and you're all like, "We should probably."
2: This again And
1: everyone kind of Came to that point again Or at least Is able to It's not like Someone moved To Singapore Or whatever it is And unable to to Do something
2: Yeah and we've always Been spread out I mean Braid Since I mean Since Roy left the band And Damon joined 96-ish That Damon was in Milwaukee and, And we were all Selling champagne And then Bob ended up moving to Chicago, I think, at some point. So we've always been kind of spread out. Mm -hmm. And right now we're in three different cities. So for us to even get here, we flew in. I flew from Milwaukee, Chris and Bob flew from Chicago, and Damon flew from Nashville. (laughs) So we we kind of do our own homework. We build a set. We figure out what we want to do. Everybody practices on their own. We come in. We sound check. Hey, I'm a little iffy on this song. Let's run through that one. And then we just do it. But then again, we're lucky because a lot of these songs that we're playing are, are older and we know them. We played them so much that it's old hat, really. Yeah. It's old hat for us. I think
1: too early on, well, the way I sort of heard about you guys was definitely college radio getting the record or something, but also every comp or 7 inch or split yep. 7 inch yep. or label. It, it, I was trying to think, like, you guys were almost. Full, I don't know what the term is, but you were almost. Uh, getting out there through these split seven inches and
2: you would show up all over the place and that's that was very conscious because we knew that that's how you networked you got on somebody else's comp you did a split seven inch with a, another band that you enjoy that was you know that you were friends with or you had a similar style of and then everything was about a little ad in a magazine a, 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 a review in Heart Attack or your friend doing a piece on you on, on your zine in their zine, or you know, having a decent review in like a publication that was getting around, or doing a comp, and you know, early on we put we want to be on your comp in one of our records, and people would just we had a po our po box was listed in there, so and so people would it eventually became came to email where people would email and and say hey I'm doing this comp blah blah blah, and we got to the point now where we had to start saying no because the comp was a bunch of crap. Or they didn't know what they were doing and people just wanted a band. Because we were starting to get a little notoriety. They want to their... braid on the comp because that would help them, you know, get it out or whatever. But we did a lot. And I, I think I have everything. <laughs> you think? Because we, I think I have everything that we were on, on on vinyl that was put out and on CD. But I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to sit down. But, yeah. And then the other meticulous thing I love is the shows. Yeah, Bob was really good about that early on. I'm terrible with that stuff. I can remember most of it. I was we were, I was talking to Chris on the way... He was here or on the way back from Japan um, on the flight. That I don't... When Thinking back to those days and those shows, I don't remember playing the shows. I remember the city and where we stayed and hanging out with certain people and after the show, but I don't really ever remember... Like the actual show so when i i don't know why i don't know why i guess that's like memories of like wow i really hit that
1: that, that nah, d no, 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 no. it's all after we saw this yep. person we went to yep. this for sushi yep. and then that yep. was it yep. interesting.
2: yeah interesting cool that's weird to me but it's just whatever that'd be
1: a really funny book is a tour a a, a band touring without any music yeah it's all yeah. about and that i sort think of that friendship that also and... kind
2: of connects to why we kind of were doing it then to travel, to see our friends, to meet new people, to go places, and I don't know, it's it's weird. Did you guys read some secret book or something before
1: you started the band? Like everything no. seemed to be. It, yes, you've probably made mistakes over the years or things, but to but to have Bob sit there and be like, I'm gonna write down every show, or I'm gonna make sure we do this. It just I there's like you guys definitely thought. About I think
2: it. I think everything like that we did. First of all, we were relentless with touring, and just were, 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 we wanted to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And we were so into it, and that was our focus. And I think once we got together and we realized we were a band that wanted to play shows, we actually had a conversation where we sat down and said, all right, is everybody into this 110%? Because if we're going to do this, we want to do it to where you know we get out there and we give it our all. We didn't want to do it half-assed, and I feel that that's still a very important... Mainstay in our band is that we don't just get together to play a show to fuck around we're here to deliver and be the best band that we can be right now you know no one's getting you know one too many beers before we play and you know we're we're here to like we're not we're not phoning it in you know we've been a band for 20 years and we still want to put on a good show you know so
1: how has your audience changed
2: have you noticed I mean a few more gray hairs yeah Yeah, on us and on everybody else. And, you know, we still see... When we were in England a year or two, two years ago, uh, we went up to Scotland and played some places that we haven't played in 15 years. And there was a couple guys there like, "I I was at the show when you guys were here, blah, blah, blah. And it's cool because you get those people that probably... That was probably one of the last few shows that they went to ever. And then they kind of melded into society and got jobs families etc like yep. everybody does and moves on with their life and then they see the ba- the, the the name pop up again and be like oh my god that's nostalgic for them and they want to come back so you have that those guys which are fewer fewer and further between cuz i even think about that it takes a lot to get me out of the house because i'm busy too i was i call it babysitter core totally you have to get that done but what i've found that helps me Is what I have to do now, and I was just talking to Damon about this today. Is what I have to do, even though I know the band, and even though I can get on the guest list, I'll buy a ticket in advance and pay the twenty bucks because that's what's going to make me go. Because if I had to decide the night of the show, every night at nine or nine thirty, if I was going to a show, every time it would be no, because I'm too tired. Got something else going. And I just got the kids to bed. But you bought the ticket. But now I got to go. No, I got to go. And actually, when I get home tomorrow, I'll be home tomorrow late afternoon on a Monday. An hour later, my family will, my, my wife will be home from work and my kids will be home. And I'll have to deal with getting them dinner and getting them to bed. But tomorrow night is Mets in, in uh, Milwaukee. And I was like, I got to see them. Nice. I got to see them. So I bought a ticket in advance. <laughs> so I have to go to a show tomorrow. I'm going to be tired. But <laughs> I'm doing that Tuesday for wham, wham. Cast. I bought a ticket. I
1: don't care. I yep, don't want to like wait. I don't want to wait. Exactly, It makes you go. Gotta go. Um, I think too that what's changed too is how many things online you guys had to do before. It wasn't that. Yeah. How is that? Have has each person sort of taken a role with
2: the online duties because that's that's networking now to the yeah, nth degree. I think I think we all do that, and we all have our individual profiles that we post stuff on. And everybody has other things going on. I have, like, a, a crew of record dudes that we have an Instagram hashtag that we share. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Chris has got... He's working on his studio, and he's working on some new uh, music stuff on or his other projects. And Damon's super busy. He's still in the industry. Totally. Bob's still very busy. And, you know, he's got, you know, all of his side projects going, City on film. Jack and Ace. He's got Braid. You know, he's writing... You know, he's going through those covers from, you know, his top 100 from, whatever, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all just really excited about doing the things that we love, and we want to tell people about them. So whether it's us playing a show and advertising that or talking about that or being, oh, my God, we haven't played with the Get Up Kids in years. we got a couple shows coming up with those guys. So we're talking – we're – even though we're, we're not as close to those guys, I mean, when we get together, it's like old times, but it's not like we see those guys – ever yeah i haven't seen matt in at least five years i haven't seen jim in probably 10 but social media and facebook and all that we're like talking about we're so excited to see you guys and hang out i can't wait you know that with those crew those those crew of dudes and and those bands that you played with back then i I think that there's definitely a, a camaraderie and a friendship that it's hard to break and if they're still around and you're still around and you get back together it's it's so fun it's just so cool like because of music i've met some of the closest friends i've ever had and i can travel in any city practically all over the world and make a couple phone calls and get a free meal and a place to stay you know and who, who can really say that it's just a different like because of this universal connection that you have through something like music, it allows you to sleep on someone's couch and get by, and, you know, those friendships are, like, deep. It's cool. And that, I mean, that goes back to that initial thing. That's what you guys... That's what that's what the goal was. Right. Right. So
1: the music yeah. music was and, the medium and, to meet people... Right, and, and to some to of those, those people that
2: come to the, sh- the shows, I mean, they're a fan. They're a fan of Braid as much of the music as they are as, of us as people. You know, some people, it's like they... They understand our 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 work, um, aesthetic, and our 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 motivation to play, and still to write and create music, with us four guys, and to go play and travel. And I think, to people that really really know us, that's equally as appealing as the songs that we write. Like they like that about us that we're just kind of crazy and just you know. And we're the guys that are hanging out after the shows and going to the bars and having drinks and meeting people and being social and and hanging out we're not like retreating to our dressing room and hiding out back there because we got to get up early and drive to the next show yeah. you know like we're going to hang out because at this point in our lives we understand that this is a, a you know it's just we're lucky to be at this stage and be able to play shows and hang out and we appreciate that you know so no, you, we're lucky
1: yeah and I'd love to talk about Hey Mercedes um, that band over the four years that I've done uh, Emo Night and definitely in the city and then also the the site itself that always gets brought up as just like a favorite band or yeah that's cool and as a side project I just can you talk a little bit about that I just loved how melodic but also
2: heavy it was at the same time yeah we when you know when Braid initially broke up um, I was I was in Chicago that fall playing with Bob he had just created the city on film him and his friend Brian they're just a two piece guitar Mm -hmm. and drummer and I was like I'll come up and play bass with you and I slept on his couch in Chicago You know for a weekend or whatever and learn the songs we played a a crappy short tour i remember we played rhinos in bloomington indiana and like a handful of other shows and then it's funny because that's about the time that that band was created and it's still functioning too it's it's bob's deal and he gets people in it but i i was obviously back at the record store you know still wanting to play and we kind of talked about it and damon and and bob and i got together as a three-piece and started writing songs in bob's basement where braid used to practice at his mom's house in Lombard Illinois and we wrote like five or six songs as a three piece and then we're like all right what do we want to do you know and we started talking about getting another guy are we gonna get are we gonna go this route do we want a girl singer is Bob gonna be the primary singer Are we gonna get somebody else and then we auditioned a handful of people and we got this guy from Milwaukee named Mark and we just we became a band and it was a, we clicked and we just kind of fell back into what we know, which is a four piece rock band, and that's when I moved to Milwaukee because Mark was from Milwaukee, Damon was already living in Milwaukee, and Bob was in Chicago. I was in Champaign. so if I went to Milwaukee, that put three of us there, PO box, yeah. practice space, and we can go. Good to go. We can go. So Mark and I lived together, and that was like our our thing. And then we just toured and it just became a band. It's just weird. Like it wasn't really super conscious. With any project, you know, you just become a band and the next thing you know, well what's the next steps? Well, we should put out some music. And, you know, we talked to a couple labels and Polyvinyl's like, Yeah dude, let's do it. So we did the E P through that and the rest is kinda history. We just kinda played a lot and... I mean that two meet world tour was awesome. Yeah, it was great. And that we that Fucking was packed shows. That was that was <laughs> it's kinda crazy because uh Hey Mercedes we, we, did, we did a tour Where Dashboard opened And we watched that unfold We watched him Become Like Big And then we were out With Jimmy World And we watched that Unfold too That was unreal And then on the Vagrant tour All of those bands were br- blowing up Get Up Kid Saves a Day Alkaline Trio Hey Mercedes Hot Rod And Anniversary Maybe yeah, was on probably. part of that yeah. And it was like We were watching And it was, it was a great time To be involved In that scene At the time because we're just like We're like the new band Even though Braid. We, were older. we came from Braid Yeah and we were older guys We were just like Wow This is really crazy Watching this happen And that's That's when I mean no one Up until that point In our scene Got big Had broken through Yeah Had broken through And it was all happening And we saw it all
1: I remember yeah. the uh, I've told this story A couple of times But the A&R <clears throat> guy At the label I was working for Handed me Bleed American As a demo And he's like Hey I got this in the mail I know you're a big fan Here check it out I mean, this was the demo that the band had sent around to the labels right, that right. no one signed, and to, I was like, "Oh my God, this is crazy!" And obviously, I mean, I did feel, but I I was already loved the band. But just that moment, that time, I think that tour when you guys were with them, mm-hmm. things were popping off. You're right, dashboard, the vagrant across America with tour buses. Yeah, uh, being connected to that scene and that that word emo. What are your thoughts now? What were your thoughts then? Like, were was there any? You know, Davey from the Promise Rings got his own thoughts about it. Dan, you know, certain bands always have this sort of feeling. What, what were your thoughts being connected to that name
2: or that scene? To me, I mean, when I think about it, we embraced it because we were. It was finally a name for something that we identified with, and all of our friends identified with. And it wasn't a, a negative thing. It was more like a description of what music we were playing. It's like, oh, we're 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 just an emo band. But before that, to me. Like, emo, to me... I mean, we were we were doing... We, it was like, like a side branch of hardcore, really. You know? Like, we all liked stuff that was a little heavy, but we had all these other outside influences. Huge part of that being part of the Chicago scene and the Discord DC area scene, which there's bands in both of those places that we all love. But before that, it was the screamo part was huge too to me emo emo we even though it became what we did which is part of that second wave and then it became something completely different to me at that point emo was lincoln frail policya three julia um all of those bands that was like is more barking and you know flailing around and just doing something really unique the the seven inches that you could buy for two dollars out of a fanzine was usually an emo band the resurrection label river's end um all of these super tiny labels that had like one or two releases and then they disappeared uh there's a band called christopher robin you know indian summer current from detroit all of these bands that were in part of this network when we would go and play a fest these are the bands that were playing jim atkins said the same stuff and, and that, just, to me, that, was emo. That's where you... That's It was hardcore, post-hardcore, screamo, yeah. emo. And then it kind of became this new thing, too, where then it was, you know, the Chicago-style stuff with where the braid was associated mm-hmm. with. And then there was, like, the more shoegazier, mellow stuff, like the Minerals and the Christie Front Drives. And then there was the more hardcore-influenced emo-ish Florida scene, 12-hour turn, hot water. Yep like all that, and then there was an East Coast scene, you know, with that handful of bands, and then, you know, there was deviations of that with, you know... West Coast. Yeah, and it's just crazy, and then, but it was all kind of the same, and you're all pals, and then you meet each other on tour, and all those bands that were functioning at that time were touring at that time, or putting on shows, and even though, you know, you didn't know them, you got to know them, because you're going to play a band, you're going to play with them, or... You know, and it again, it goes beyond the music because it was like this network of people that were doing shows, and... I mean, you could tell those
1: shows that were put together. Hardcore, indie rock, acoustic, Eskrimo. And you realized all of them were friends and they put on a show, but it, it, it felt connected.
2: It felt right. Right. Where you'd have, like, a guy... You'd have Tom L- Lamaccio the Deadwood Divine guy. Do you remember mm-hmm. him? No, actually, I don't. It was, like, him. He was, like, an acoustic, like, kind of just really... You know, uh, where was he from? East Coast. East Coast, somewhere. somewhere? I'll look him up. But he was. He was like, he was on a lot of shows, and that was considered emo. And then you got the bands that were doing, like, you know, total mathy, time change, rhythmic, <laughs> groovy kind of stuff like we were doing. And then you had other bands that were a little bit heavier and harder than we were, like the, you know, like Lincoln and 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 those kind of bands. And then all the labels that were supporting that and putting out music and at that point that's when you realized you can just put out your own record you know and Braid's first record was my roommate put it out really and then polyvinyl repressed it um and that was the Rain Snow Mash 7 Inch and then we just were like this is easy we can do this ourselves all you got to do is call the pressing plant and get some money together yeah we can do the artwork we can just go to kinko's and run, run off some stuff you know? <laughs> and then i was doing a skateboarding zine at the time and then uh everybody it's just like a whole different world everybody had a zine every town had a scene um you just had to get a hold of the right people and then they would put you in like it was phone numbers it was like telephone you know you get a hold of somebody let me give you this other guy's number he does the shows you know or if he can't do it his other friend can do a show because he, if he's out of town you know, to make it happen. I have a very vivid memory of us uh, driving to a show in Boise, Idaho. This guy named Bug did shows there. His name's Jason. I am actually friended him on Facebook like 10 years ago. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and he was the guy that used to do our shows there in the back of his house or like in somebody's garage or, or whatever. And I remember being late to that show, driving and driving, but still having to pull over every couple hours, find a payphone to call him to say we're still on our way. Which is ironic, because we're making ourselves even later... (laughs) By (laughs) stopping. By stopping to call him to tell him we're coming. That's crazy. And that whole time of touring, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I just wish that... You know, you're a crotchety old dude, and you're like, band's got it good. They got it good now. I mean, we're we're definitely uh, pretty tech on tour. We got a MiFi in the van. You know, we're updating all of our socials. We got GPS, but back then it was a road map and a dialer and a handful of, you know. Bob and
1: Chris told me about the dialer.
2: Yeah, and like little uh, things that you can fool the toll booths with. Get get a little uh, Necco wafers, those little candies yeah. used to work in toll booths. And <laughs> you, if you threw them in the right, way, it's a total like steel and gas and things that we probably shouldn't been doing, but things to get you to the next city yeah you know it's like you play a show and you make 18 dollars, and gas is 98 cents a gallon so you fill up your tank you got six bucks left it's crazy and then you sleep on somebody's floor you know you get a two dollar per diem that day and you try to eat we get we had a milk crate of food in the van and we just like people would give us like dried pasta you cook it at their house when you're sleeping that night it's a Totally different, different thing.
1: What do you like? Are there, are there things you like about it now when you're touring, or miss, or
2: I miss, I miss the house show community thing where you'd show up at a house. They, hey, we got this clean room for you guys to sleep in. Throw your bags in there. We're making food, and it's a donation at the door. Should be about thirty people here tonight. It was like, and everybody was like hanging out in the kitchen, drinking beers, eating food before the show. I miss that. You know, and it's different now because I don't really... I miss it, but I I wouldn't want it to be that way. Yeah. (laughs) Because we want to be comfortable and, you know... You're not going to sleep on a floor. Right, right, you know, so... But that, I do miss that. Like, I'm glad that we were able to experience that because it's a good memory. It's a good memory for us.
1: The, um... I guess the, were there any favorites that you had, like if you had to list out your top five records from back in the day, if it was like the Screamo Emo stuff, like was there like, or even record, like that, just that era, the, I, I unfortunately,
2: pre bleed American. <laughs> I, I, are we, we were friends with all those bands and definitely influenced by those records, but I think of personal yeah, yeah. records that influenced me and they're more indie rock stuff. Uh, like what? the second dinosaur junior record you're living all over me uh i would say i think it's 87 the descendants all the more metally one um i like that one um eye against eye by bad brains also a little metal it's like 87 88 um seems the problem with me one of my favorite records uh also i was heavy into like the tweed kind of stuff like the k records sarah records Teen teen Beat kind of stuff. A huge fan of Velocity Girl and Tiger Trap Mm -hmm. and bands like that, too. And we were all kind of into that stuff. And, you know, to me, it was like the same scene, just a different kind of music. And everybody had their little pockets, but those records were important to me and influenced us. Seaweed is, like, one of my favorite bands. I, I still listen to a lot of that stuff and you always go back to what you like and then you know there's this huge crossover of mainstream stuff that we all like whether it's the cure you know and you know more 80s driven stuff and things that you have from your high school days that you're into the smiths and things like that so
1: what's the record everyone you can put on and everyone no one complains
2: i think i don't know i don't know we're all pretty accepting like we all listen to kind of whatever, and yeah. we're we like to be turned on to new stuff. Yeah, I so heard this thing. Damon's like, "Hey, yeah, I got check this out" or whatever. And then, but then you, then again, you can put on, um, you know, uh, Highway to Hell, and everybody will be equally happy. Yeah. To him,
1: so. <laughs> what do you think of the emo revival? The sort of the bands coming from you
2: know two thousand nine, two thousand ten onward. I, I do like a lot of that stuff. I like that. Um, I like the the, the kind of. I know it's not particularly emo, but like the whole brooklyn captured tracks uh mexican summer kind of scene i dig that stuff i dig the stuff that count your lucky stars is doing and no sleep and top shelf and all those labels are doing a really really good job that annabelle band they're awesome great they're so good i actually just missed him in 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 milwaukee Uh, i was out of town that day and i thought i was going to be able to go um but the the great like great we played with that band marietta on the last tour Um, and they were awesome and, you know, a great big pile of leaves and all those bands and, you know, all those bands are equally different too. They're not, even though they're kind of almost considered like new, the new generation of emo revival, but it felt it because each band was
1: different and that's how I, like me getting into it in the nineties, each band was different and they all, you, but you felt the connections and I felt the same, I got these like crazy flashbacks. I'm like these kids are doing it
2: again. And if you took if you took all those <laughs> those records from that same era and you gave them to somebody that was not associated with the scene and you played them three totally different records, they would have no idea how that was we like these do not sound the same. Yeah. How do these fit in the same scene? But it did. Yeah. And it's just I don't know if it's because of the networking, the people involved, the community that was involved in and I think that's a huge part of it. You know, the people that put on fests or the people that did shows or the people that played in the bands. You know and that's kind of how that era was you know done just the way it was done
1: yeah so i think it's a really fun time and i think you guys signing to top shelf was a, an interesting sort of you know nod to yeah. get a, a remembrance from the, maybe the younger bands like wait Bray, i don't know who that is wait oh wait yeah. and then they sort of look
2: back or it just seems like it goes both ways totally totally and we were you know that was we were trying to find a way when we did no coast like we want to put out this record matt would totally do it at polyvonny's happy to do it it's like let's try to find a way to get it out there a little bit more and matt was stoked about it but kevin and seth were really stoked they were happy <laughs> because the bands that they were putting out of course um their model was kind of taken from the scene that we came from so i think they were happy to to, to sign and you know uh uh you know, I don't, a retro band or I don't know what you would call us, the old, the old guys, you know, or whatever, but, you know, even though, you know, we're a little older, I feel that the music that we're writing is relevant. I feel that we're doing it for the exact same reasons we've always done it for and we're still having just as much fun. So, you know, we'll do it as long as we can do it and have fun with it. Yeah. You know, so. And then are you thinking to, well, what else is next? Like, are you, have you thought... We talk. We talk all the time. You know, we'll have a particularly really good show, and we'll all be sitting around having a beer, and like, "All right, can't. Let's get to work on the next record." And we talk about it more than we do anything about it. You know, but that's something that you know, if it makes sense and we can do it and make it happen and put out a record, if it's in three years or five years, whatever. Even if we're writing music and we're not playing music, like, out, we'll be always be playing music. But whether we'll be doing any extensive touring is, I mean, this year. I think we're playing less than 20 shows last year we played about the same mm-hmm. and we do it when we can do it but it's not really the music is a priority but getting it touring and, and playing the shows aren't as much of a priority because we have other things going on so and I think too, if we can do it we'll do
1: it and I think re- uh, recording
2: you guys had such an amazing output of music not that it's all great because even but back that's in, okay but even back in the day people would be like oh my god Oh, Bob just promised two more comp songs. It's like, Bob, what are you doing? Don't let Bob talk to anybody. It's like, all right, got to go to the basement and write a couple songs. So we'd go down and we'd come up with a, you know, somebody, Damon would have a drum beat or someone would have a part that we would develop into a song. And if we were happy enough with it, we'd call our friend and try to get it cheaply recorded and get it to the person that was going to put it out. You know, that was the, the, the work ethic. And I think we were pretty prolific for, for the time that we were a band. And I feel that even when we get together now, it's fairly easy for us. But it's just because we've been playing together for so long. You know, I don't want to start a new band with new dudes. Because it would be very difficult. Braid is easy. Like, we, the four of us, I know what Damon's going to do before he does it. So me locking in with him, that's a cakewalk for me. And then Chris and Bob and all of us, we just have a chemistry And we can write a song. I mean, if you give us a a time limit and a, we can we'll churn something out. I mean, that'd be great. But we'll get a good start on it. I think you guys,
1: instead of, and I'm seeing this with other mediums like movies and TV, it's that if you guys get together, write a song and put it out. Right. You know, don't
2: don't wait for the album. Just put it up. Put it up through. And that's uh, that was huge at the time of us early yeah because it's It's almost it's almost reverted back yeah like look at the single and and it's kind of funny it has reverted back because you look at the way that the internet works someone writes a song the next day they can put it online why wait two years and put out a 12 song online album when you can just i mean there's bands doing it all the time there's bands that do a monthly song you know uh wasn't Evan from Into It Over doing something like yeah. that where he was putting up a song every week or something yep. like that it's crazy
3: once again thank you to Epitaph Records our sponsor here on Washed Up email podcast hope you're enjoying uh episode with Todd Bell from Hey Mercedes and Brave we got a little bit more to go and uh, thanks again Epitaph Make this possible
1: now, city sister. As the world will end, you have your sweet revenge. Sort of the
0: it
1: has come full circle, yeah, and it's almost. I don't know. It just seems like you guys can keep. I, I want to see you when I'm 50. I want to like, I feel like that's
2: kind of the. If it feels right, keep well, going. I think we'll all always be traveling, whether it's as a band or just dudes, going to the places we love. We, we all have a super appreciation for playing music and doing what we do, whether we're doing it together or not. We have the utmost intentions to keep playing music. You know I mean we just released a brand new record only a year ago you know so that's nice for us because up until last year some of the stuff we've been playing is crazy old for us people want to hear it and they enjoy it and we like to play it but it's also nice for us to have some s new, some newer stuff to slide into the set you know and then we just put out the new seven inch the record story thing in the spring we're playing uh, kids get grids on this tour um, We've got a couple other things under our belt that we are thinking about doing in the near future. And then we'd like to continue to write. Chris has kind of got a makeshift studio at home, so that would be pretty easy for us to do. It's just getting everybody together. It's really hard. We don't write well over the Internet. We're four dudes in a room. Got to get down there. You know, that's how we've always operated, and that's how we work best. Hashing it out together You know, somebody comes in with an idea, whether it's Chris or Bob or whoever, and then we get together and it becomes something else and it becomes a Braid song. And it's us four, Braid, the sound of Braid is the four of us dudes playing in a room. You know, and that's how we write. So, hope to continue to do that. You know, we are on. We got our Instagram, uh, Braid Official. We've got our Twitter, Braid Central. We've got our website. We're trying to play as much as we can. If anybody's connected to those things, they know we're going to be playing. Um... You know, we're just happy to. At this point in our band's career, we're just happy to be playing music and, and glad to be around. So, cool. Thanks for having us. Strapped into the